so glad y'all came out tonight. I think I talked about last time how special Wednesday nights are to me. Um, it doesn't matter the, the size on a Wednesday night to me because I get fired up. I just came from work and your, your burdens are fresh on your heart and I, uh, I get so much out of Wednesday nights. So I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, we're, we're so close to, to daily life when we're on Wednesday nights that it's, uh, it's easy to lay your burdens on the Lord. So glad you're here. Tonight we're going to talk about, um, I'm actually kind of taglining in on the, uh, on the wilderness series, not, not really uh, officially on the series, but I just thought it fit so well with what we've been talking about in the series lately that um, I wanted to share this with you. I actually stole this completely from Brother Terry Shock. He preached it at POA probably eight or ten years ago, and um, it's been really impactful to me, and it, it tags into the wilderness series so well that I hope I can give it to you in, in just a, a half of a format that he gave to me. And uh, it was so impactful to me, and I, I want you to want you to have so much benefit out of it too. So we're talking about um, the children of Israel after they've been wandering around in the wilderness. Um, we're about to jump to the text, but I'll give you a little backstory first. They're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, and, and Moses just died, and uh, the, the leadership has been passed on to Joshua. And the the children of Israel are just about to enter the promised land. Um, so obviously they've been looking forward to this forever. And it's, you, you'll see whenever we jump into it, but it's, it's so symbolic. There's so many different moving parts that are going on right here. But um, it's a really big time for the children of Israel. And they come up against, I feel like they're always coming up against some, some crazy situations. But in this situation, they're going to cross the Jordan, sea, the Jordan River. And uh, as they get there, it's absolute worst case scenario. They're... They're, the Jordan River, to me, if you hear about a river in the, in the Bible, I always think, oh, man, it's got to be giant. You know, it's got to look like the Mississippi River. And I, actually, I dug into it a little bit. Um, I, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. We're, let's just jump into the text real quick. So, uh, Carter, if you could throw that up. It's, it's Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse 14. So it says, uh, So when the people broke the camp across the Jordan... Well, let me give you a little bit more back backstory. So they're, they're about to cross the Red Sea. So Joshua's the, the brand new leader, and Joshua's trying to, to prove to the, the children of Israel that he, he's, he is who needs to be leading the, leading the, the nation now, you know? So he's, he's this newly minted leader, and he's listening to the Lord, and the Lord speaks through Joshua and says, okay, you're going to go, this is how you're going to cross the Red Sea. So this is kind of the backstory. So he says, so when the people broke the cramp, the camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And this was all told by Joshua how they needed to do this. So now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zenathan, uh, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Dead Sea, I'm not going to try that, was completely cut off. So you can kind of imagine that. Um, Ashley Carter, go ahead and throw up that, that picture. So this is the Jordan This is the Jordan River. This is what I was kind of talking about earlier. I imagine it like, like you're standing at the, the Mississippi River Bridge, and it's this giant river. Well, it's, it's really not. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a letdown. You know, I was, I was expecting to be this giant river. But look how turbulent that is, you know. So it's, it's within its banks right here. And it talks about in the Scripture how um, they crossed it at a time where it was out of its banks. So they, they talk about the river being about 100, 100 feet wide, and it's like 3 to 10 feet deep. And that's whenever it's in its banks. So 
they crossed it in the springtime whenever there was um, snow runoff from the mountains. So the river is actually bigger than it normally is. So if I'm an Israelite, I'm thinking, great, this is the worst time of the year to cross the river. Um, and I, I think this is just kind of setting the stage of this is the Lord making sure they knew it was it was him divinely. You know, it, it'd be different if the, the river was in its banks and, it, oh, it just happened to be a drought year and, you know, the Lord provided and it, he planned all this whole drought year up for this. But no, it's, it's out of its banks and it's rushing. Like, that's, that's white water. That does not look like the Mississippi River to me. It, I, in my mind, I had a whole different story, a whole different image of the Lord stopping the Mississippi River and it got dry and they walked across. Like, like that's rushing right there. So anyways, let's keep going. Sorry. It just, uh, it really kind of, added a little more context to me whenever you could see what it what it really looks like. So we talked about it stopping uh, upstream. Uh, so verse 17, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation who had com- uh, whole nation had completely had completed the crossing on dry ground. Um, so so many so many uh, important things right here. It's one of the commentators that I read talked about how they made sure that the Ark of the Covenant went first. And it was so symbolic that the Lord's going into your trial before you get there. He, he set all of this up, and the Spirit of the Lord went out into the water first. So it, it was so impactful to me that, that it stayed in the middle of the, the river. I mean, obviously, okay, if, if that's the powerful part, it needs to stay in the middle of the river while the whole nation crosses by. And the, the perspective to me, too, is like, okay, I mean, how many people were we talking here? Like, you know, 200 people walked by, and then they kept going. So I, I tried to look it up, and I couldn't come up with a great number, but... They, they did talk about in another area of scripture, scripture that they sent 40,000 men ahead because they're, they're going into the promised land, but the promised land's occupied by the enemy right now. So they know that there's going to be a war pretty soon. So they sent 40,000 men ready for war in front of them. So I can only imagine how many people really came by if the whole nation of Israel was defended by 40,000 people. So this, this is a real production. Like the, the Ark of the Covenant is stuck in the middle of the river everybody passes by and as they pass by then the ark of the covenant comes out um it's just so um fitting and it's it's so amazing how the lord has so many minute details in these stories that are are symbolic and real to our daily life um the 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 commentator was talking about how the spirit of the lord was in the river um but all these little details add up and i think that's so important for my life because you, you find yourself in a wilderness or a, a trial or whatever, and you think, man, this is just, you know, this is terrible. I can't believe I just slipped into this situation. But you didn't just slip into this situation. You didn't just accidentally end up here. Like, the Lord had so many symbolic things going on. Like, he knew Joshua was going to be taken over. And he knew the nation of Israel needed to trust Joshua, Joshua more. And he needed to show them that he was, in, that he was speaking to Joshua. Because, <clears throat> as you'll see, on the other side of the Jordan... They weren't out of the out of the misery. That they happened to land on the shore right next to this place called Jericho. Like they they had big problems ahead of them. So they the Lord knew that they needed to be building their faith in Joshua. So it's just so amazing to me that we think sometimes we slip into these problems in our life that we just accidentally ended up in. But the Lord's got this all scheduled and planned out just perfectly to a T. And and it's um it's just really um, comforting to know that the Lord's, the Lord's got it all figured out here. Um, going forward a little bit further, uh, let's jump into Joshua 4, and this will be the last part of our scripture, but Joshua 4, 4 through 24. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had, 
he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And we're skipping a couple of details here, but this is the gist of what I'm trying to get to tonight. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord of your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So he's calling one guy from every tribe and saying, hey, pick up a stone at the bottom of the river. Uh, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it, when it, was crossed, uh, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So on the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from, from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Hello, they're about to face some, some bigger problems down there, or not bigger, but another huge set of problems right, right there. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask your parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that we might always fear the Lord of our God. The Lord your God, sorry. So it's so, even more depth to this story is, he talks about the Red Sea and they talked about generally how the nation of Israel that went through the Red Sea had died off by this point. So that was granddaddy's life that they were talking about, you know, the Dead Sea. So he, he needed to prove to this generation that that same power is still on the nation of Israel. He's still protecting them just as much as he did, you know, a generation before. And they didn't need to lose sight that the Lord still had them in the palm of his hand. So it, it was so impactful to me the, the way um, Terry Shock spoke about it. And, and I hate to steal his sermon completely, but it was so impactful to me. And I, I still carry it through with me. But he talked about in, in your life, you need to have some stones that you got from the bottom of the river. And, and you need to make a memorial in your house and say, you know, I got those stones right there. And he, he was almost kind of trying to be boisterous about it, where he, he's going to carry these stones around with him. Like, I don't, I don't think they just, like, were pebbles, you know? Like, they, they probably got some big stones, and like, why are we lugging these stones around all the time? And, and why are we stacking them up? And it kind of looks goofy to have a big stack of stones that you carry around all the time, you know? But he wanted it to be obvious. He wanted to have to tell the story. Like, he wanted, he wanted that to be your testimony, you know? Like, you're, you're carrying the stone around for a reason. So he talked about, he had stones in his, uh, Terry Shock talked about how he had stones in his life, and it was really impactful to me, and I, I was, you know, like a young teenager, or I don't know, I was, I was a teenager, and I didn't really have a, have a family and a life and stuff, but it, it impacted me so much that I'm happy to, happy to have stones in my life now. So it's so... Um, important to me, we were talking about the wilderness the last couple of weeks, and it's so important to me to realize that the wilderness is, number one, like not a mistake, but number two, you're growing so much through the wilderness that it's going to, number one, be your testimony, but it's, it's almost like um, it's the same relationship in my mind as, as tithing. So if you're willing to give to the Lord, the Lord's willing to give you more because he knows he can trust with you, with your talents or with your money or with your time or whatever it is, and it's, it's so much um, similarity to to the trials that you face. The Lord knows that, that the trial that he puts on you, you're going you're gonna to work up the trial as much as you can on a fleshly basis and say, all right, God, this is, this is what I got, you know? And the Lord's going to take over from there. And if he sees that 
you know, hey, Brennan, trust me in, in this trial, and he, he knows I can, I can bring him through this, he's going to put more on your plate. And that, that sounds kind of terrible, but that's, that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to grow with you. He doesn't want to just be stagnant, and this is what I can put on Brennan's plate, and this is all I can put on Brennan's plate. So he wants to be able to add on more and more. And it's just so um, such an impactful thought to me to, to be able to say, um, you know, Somebody comes over and you say, well, why, why do you have those stones or whatever? So anyways, I have this brick in my life. So my wife was nice enough to let me paint this brick and put it inside our house. And I have a couple of bricks that are, that are, um, that are labeled and a couple of them that aren't labeled. And a couple of them that aren't labeled are because we're going to come into stuff in the future. So anyways, we, we have this one brick right here. And let me, I'll just tell you the story about this brick right here. This brick says summer run on it. And it says April 2019. I actually hadn't labeled the brick before today, but I figured if I was going to preach about it, I should probably label the brick. But we've had these bricks around, and, and, and we talk about the bricks, and we know why the bricks are there. But Summer Run is a road that flooded in uh, 2016. And in April of 2019, we happened to own a house on Summer Run. And I don't know if you've been listening to the weather that they're talking about for this weekend, but they like to talk about how much it's supposed to rain this weekend. I'm sure you've all heard that it's supposed to rain X number of inches this weekend. And in April of 2019, they were talking about how many inches it was going to rain that weekend. And needless to say, we didn't have enough flood insurance on that house. And, uh, and it flooded in 2016 whenever we didn't own it. And Brennan was sweating it. He was real nervous. So we prayed away that rain. But I, I looked really hard today to find um, some record of how much rain fell that weekend. And I can tell you it wasn't much. It was probably like an inch or two. But it was just so impactful to me, actually, because the article that I found was talking about how much rain and how much severe weather, the, the article said, that they'd had in April 2019. So I know I was really sweating it, and I think I was working that whole weekend, and I was really praying hard whenever I was there at work. But it's so amazing to me that I get to carry around this brick now, and I'll never forget praying away the rain that was going to happen, you know? They were calling for some serious rain, and it was 2016 had just happened, so everybody's super skittish about you know an afternoon th- thunderstorm, and they were talking about the same. They were they would telling you on the news. They would throw it up, and they would say, "This is how much rain we got in 2016, and this is how much we're getting this weekend," and everybody was real wide-eyed and scared, you know. Anyways, I say all that to say we prayed our way that rain. It was it was on a dead path, and it rained like two inches that weekend, and we were super grateful for that. So. I say all that to say that this is my rock. This came from the bottom of the Jordan, and I'm so happy to be able to share that with you. And I want you to be able to pick up, um, pick up some rocks along your your Jordan. You know, um, I, you're going to come into come into the Jordan, and you you need to be able to pick that up and and use that to somebody else's advantage. You need to be able to share that story and say, "Hey, look, this is what I got, and this is this is what I benefited from." But also, the next time you come into a trial, too, you'll you'll realize that, "Hey, this is an opportunity. This is uh, instead of me looking at the weather now and saying, "Oh, wow, it's supposed to rain eight or nine inches this weekend," I say, "Oh yeah, I got a I got a brick for that one," you know, and and that's that's the way. And I'm not trying to be. Uh, I don't I don't want to be ridiculous, and I have flood insurance, so don't you know I'm. I'm I, I'm not trying to test the Lord. I, I just I want to learn and move on and 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 learn from what we've gone through. But whenever I come into a new trial, um, it's it's different now because you can say, "Oh wow, what am I going to take from this? What what kind of miraculous story can I tell about this trial that we had in in, in this time period? That's gonna it's gonna benefit me on the next one. I, if the Lord put this on my plate right now 
and he thinks I can handle it and I can handle it, he's going to put something more on my plate next time and I'm going to be so grateful for what he's put on my plate next time because I'm realizing, okay, Lord, we're, we're going somewhere here. You know, we're not, we're not plateaued. We're, we're, we have more on our plate this time. Um, and, and part of what makes that, um, I don't want to say I'm optimistic whenever I get a trial because it's not like, oh, boy, I'm so excited. You know, I can't wait for it to flood again. But um, there's a comfort in, in knowing that the Lord is going to show up for you. A little bit of a detour right here, but whenever I went to nursing school, I, I work in the operating room now, and I guess nursing is kind of, a nursing school is kind of like other trades, I'm sure, where all of school is about one thing, and then you get in the real world, and it's a completely different story. So in nursing school, they told me about the operating room for like three and a half minutes, and the rest of the time, they talked about everything else. So as soon as you get out in the real world, <clears throat> you know nothing. <clears throat> you are absolutely useless in the operating room as a new nurse. So as you're, as you're learning, you start getting cocky, you know, like, oh, I've done this case before, you know, I know, I know what's going on here. And then uh, they put a different case in there, and you have no clue what's going on. So as you do better and work through different things, a couple weeks in, you know, six weeks in, eight weeks in, they start saying, okay, it's time for you to take call. Like, this, these are the cases that you'll probably see, whatever. So you're feeling okay about it, and then you start hearing about stuff that happens on call, and you're like, oh, man, like, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of these cases that I don't know anything about. So it's really common to see a new nurse in the OR start talking about, oh, what if this happens, or what if this happens? And you can't plan for every scenario, so you just work on the basics. So you you kind of try to coach them on, like, this is what the basics are, you know? And I was asking a guy whenever I was brand new, I was super green, hey, what happens with this? And finally, he just shut me down. And he said, look, Brennan, at some point, you're going to be comfortable being uncomfortable in, in, in a case. And that's great for the nursing world, but that applies so much to our walk with God that at some point, the Israelites said, we're going to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, at the, their granddaddy crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, and they knew that they should be comfortable crossing the Jordan because the Lord did that for them. So, just take that with you too, that you can find comfort in these trials because you know as long as you're given 100% of whatever you can give, the Lord's going to make up the rest. I mean, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't expect you to do anything more than you can. So I find so much comfort in being uncomfortable by knowing that if I'm given 100%, the Lord, the Lord really doesn't expect anything more. If, if it goes south, perfect. I did everything I could, and the Lord wanted me to go through this direction this way. Or if, it, if I give everything I can and the Lord wants me to go in this direction, perfect. I, I, I can't find any more comfort in knowing that I'm walking right where the Lord wants me to be. So I find, um, I find that telling myself that sometimes and being comfortable being uncomfortable is, is very encouraging to me. And, and that's kind of what I want you to leave tonight with is, is being encouraged in the trial and, and seeing a trial come up. You know how you've been in life and... I don't have any good examples right now, but you can, boom, like something happened today, and I know that's going to be a trial that I'm facing for months, you know? And just knowing that whatever happened, um, you know, whatever pops up in your life, like I, I can grab a brick in here somewhere, and I can, I can tell this story to somebody one day, and it's going to make a difference to them. And I'm, I'm, I'm building my faith with God and building my, my confidence and, and trust in Him and, um, and just how impactful that is. Um, Kind of run through these notes here. Sorry. A couple of stories too. Um, Carter, throw up that first picture that we talked about with the pilot. So, kind of in the vein of um, of having some some stories to tell, is this picture right here? Is <clears throat> I was preparing for this and 
got really distracted and ran across this article of, uh, of this Delta Airlines flight that was going out to um, California. So anyways, they flew a plane. This is in the middle of the pandemic, like uh, right whenever it started in March. They flew a plane to California from um, the Midwest, basically. And the guy that flew it out there wrote a note, and, uh, and he posted on Facebook about how disappointed he was and how scared he was. And um, Delta just came out with this big article about it. But basically, they flew all these planes out there, and this is, this is the vision that he saw. So this is his career that's sitting on a tarmac in Southern California, and he's scared to death. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's got responsibilities in life. And all other planes are parked right there. And he picked up this flight like last minute, like they were trying to move this plane out there and they knew they were going to be storing it for a while. So he's like really traumatized. Carter, you can go to the next picture too. And, uh, and this is what he sees. He sees, he's in a trial. This, this is him crossing the Jordan River right here. He sees all these planes and they didn't park them like thinking they were going to park them for two days. They parked them and like put, put covers over the engines. Like they, they knew they were going to be there a while, you know. And, and he's not a spiritual guy. That's not where I'm going with this. But he was in a trial and, and he knew that one day, somebody was going to move this plane again. So go ahead and throw up that, that picture, Carter. And he wrote this note right here. He says, hey, pilot. And he put this like on, the, on the, the flip down board. It says, it's March 23rd, and we just arrived from MSP. That's the airport that he flew from. Uh, Very chilling to see so much of our fleet here in the desert. That's, uh, that's Hebrew for saying I'm scared to death. So if you're, if you're here to pick up the, the, um, the, the light must be at the end of the tunnel. Amazing how fast it changed. Have a safe flight, bring it, bringing it out of storage. And they sign their name. But this is a guy that's scared to death. This is a guy that's, that's in the middle of his wilderness. And, and he wrote this, and there's nothing spiritual about this, but that's his brick right there. So the guy that went to pick it up last week, he flipped down the tray and saw that, and it made big headlines everywhere. But that, that guy had a real peek back into the into the, the really scary part of the pandemic for all these pilots. And this guy that picked it up, he's, you know, he's raring to go, and he's got, a, he's got a great job to go after now, and I'm sure they're flying all over the place. But that was that guy's brick right there. And, and he took time to, to write it out, and, and that guy that, um, that picked it up, it's going in a museum somewhere, and they're going to talk about it for 40 years. You know? But that was his brick. He, he, got to, he got to talk to somebody else about that, and that, that inspired somebody else to say, oh, man, that, that was a bad time, but we're in a better time now. And I just think that's so, um, so, so impactful and so important for us to, to realize that, yeah, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come into contact with some bad times. I'm going to make some, some great bricks out of that. The Lord's going to come through for me, and I'm going to use it to, to help somebody else because somebody else is going to come through some, to some bad times too. Um, and just, just knowing that while we're in these bad times, we, it's, it's nothing but progress, nothing but learning and, and um, success moving forward in our walk with God. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to leave you with tonight. I, I just want you to leave encouraged. Uh, I know this, this wilderness series has been encouraging, but it's so exciting to me to see. I don't get excited to see a wilderness, but I get so excited to hear about what, what I learned in that situation and what you can learn in, from my situation and what I can learn from yours and how we can build our faith in, in God and build our, our faith in, in what we're going to do with the next situation. The next time you approach something totally different. I have a totally different faith from God after I prayed away some rain from a house. Like if, if I can pray away, pray away rain from a house, I can pray away whatever. I can, you know, we, we, can, we can pray things so much more powerfully whenever you have it in your generation, just like the Israelites didn't have to trust on, oh yeah, the God, opened up, God opened up the Red Sea for my granddaddy. No, no, it's, it's me. Like, I've, I've been through that, and I've been encouraged by other people. So 
I hope you live encouraged tonight, and I hope you, hope you bring that into your next trial and your next situation that you encounter.